0: Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Some stuff that I want to get into today, Olivia Wilde is set to direct a brand new Sony Marvel film. I'm also going to be introducing some throwback Thursday reviews that I want to do, specifically in the wake of Tenet coming out. I'll be going to Christopher Nolan, so be sure to hang in for that and a whole lot more. But the first thing that I want to dive right into, which has kind of been the topic of the whole week leading up to Saturday is the dc universe and some more news came out today and the first thing that i do want to talk about is some news regarding the batman which to me and i know for a lot of people is the most highly anticipated panel to come from the dc fandom on saturday which we're gonna get incredible stuff from the flash to black adam to learning more about the snyder cut to wonder woman 1984 but it's that last panel that's coming which is at 8:30 here on the eastern standard time and around 5 30 in the west and that is learning really the first big details of matt reeves's take on the batman learning maybe getting the first trailer first look first image of robert pattinson in that full batman armor a look at maybe zoe kravitz as catwoman or paul dano as the riddler or colin farrell as the penguin just seeing this actually come to life and seeing what it's going to be after hearing so much about it is going to be great and it seems like Matt reese is getting ahead of the curve a little bit and showing us the logo of the Batman in which it is finally confirmed that it is going to be called The Batman and getting a a graphic art design and artwork of the, the Batman and in in the suit and it was it was drawn by Jim Lee who is the well-known artist in comic books for DC that draws amazing artwork and is the architect of DC fandom. And when you see everything in the virtual landscape on Saturday, it was all really done by him and the people that he that work with beside him. But seeing the the logo and seeing the artwork, it doesn't really do anything to reinforce that. Robert Pattinson is going to be greater. This is what he's going to look like. But in terms of the attire of Batman, seeing it in that kind of form, even though it's more of a comic booky form, like you would read it on a comic book page, I still thought it was really really cool and I love the bat symbol that's in the logo as well. It seems like even in the test screening that Matt Reeves really put an emphasis on that bat insignia which seems like the 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 in in sigma and the actual armor itself is really harkening to the arkham video game series where it's very more metallic and it has a lot more the suit has a lot more to it and a lot more bases and a lot more parts than just a full body suit with uh, a headpiece and whatnot and a cape and a cowl it seems like there's a lot more to it so i'm really excited about that and also the big thing for me is also the emphasis on on red it seems like red is going to be a very big color for this and if you know the basics of of camera techniques and visuals the red green blue is the basic format of what you want when you're coming out with colors on a camera and then in the editing systems and when you're editing a film or any kind of project but it seems like matt reeves is really going heavy on uh, the red aspect it was in the test screening it's in the the graphic art it's in the logo and it even is in when you watch the dc fandom trailer that came out on yesterday they had a little glimpse of what that panel is going to be where you see matt reeves in the fandom with alicia tyler who's going to be the moderator it seems like for the whole thing that it was all red it was red and black and so i think those are going to be the primary colors for what we're going to get and matt reeves has always said this is going to be a very new war film that is going to hark back to the detective aspect of batman which we haven't really gotten over the years i think when you look at the tim burton batman's and Val Kilmer and George Clooney they have some aspects but not a whole lot and the same thing with the the Dark Knight trilogy of Christopher Nolan where he's Batman's more of a mercenary than he is a detective and he he highlights some detective qualities especially in the Dark Knight when he is looking into the investigation of the attempted assassination on the mayor and he's looking into the bullets that harkens to the detective aspect of Batman but We haven't really gotten any sense of that in a live action form to this moment so for matt reeves to really kind of hone in on that aspect i think is really exciting and i think to make it more noir you're getting that with the red and the black so that's really exciting so i'm really interested to see and and see the feel of what we're going to get with this batman movie so this logo this graphic art gets me excited, doesn't really turn my judgment one way or the other. What's gonna do that is the panel, hearing what Matt Reese has to say, offering up, pictures and footage and seeing what we're going to be getting with this movie that is what i'm going to be basing my judgment off of this is just going to be more icing on the cake really of just hearkening back and putting more evidence that that this film is going to be something really special and again i'm a fan of matt reeves with what he did with dawn and war of the planet of the apes so whatever he's going to do with this movie I have evidence to back up that he can handle a franchise movie and this is as big as it comes with the Batman and then moving on to something that I I said I was going to talk about today and that is and that is more news regarding Wonder Woman 84 even though we're going to get that's the first panel that's coming on DC Fandom on Saturday we're still going to get we have more information that came out yesterday regarding these set visits that happened all the way back in 2015 which seems like a millennium ago and it seems like a lot of news sources and a lot of new sites were able to go on set and talk to patty jenkins gal gadot chris pine the producers of wonder woman 1984 and see and experience what that film is going to be like and came back with a lot of information and even years later After a lot of these reporters who I always marvel at these set set reports because these journalists have to hold this information in for so long, even sometimes this stuff will come out after trailers do. And you don't really you have to hold on to what you learned on said to yourself before you're able to come out and finally talk about it. So for people that were at collider, comicbookmovie.com or a lot of other sites and articles as well. They've been holding this in for a long time and it's been and trailers have come out already for this movie. So it to me it's just really impressive and and even for something like New Mutants which did have a set report visit for a lot of journalists but that never came out and the movie's coming out as of right now in a little bit around a week or so from this from today these journalists really do take in this information and keep it with them. So I marvel at that stuff and seeing the details that are coming out from the set visit is, is very interesting. And I think really just kind of lines up for what we're expecting with this film. And in the set reports, it's talked about how Patty Jenkins really had an idea for a sequel to Wonder Woman set in the eighties since working on the 2017 film. And, when you think about the 80s and when it was announced that Wonder Woman will be taking place in 1984, you thought, oh, well, they're just following the trend of the 80s when projects like Stranger Things are working really, really well. It's a trend that that projects and teams and creators are taking right now just to kind of buck on that trend. But when you read the set of visits talking about why specifically Patty Jenkins chose 1984 specifically... You find out that it's more than just because of the trends, it's because of the way that the world was and because of the economic status, the social status of a lot of people, how a lot of people were really kind of living their best lives and also kind of showing that there was both good sides to that and bad sides to that and how it echoes in a world that Patty Jenkins and the reports say was very prevalent to what was around in 2017 2018 and they really wanted to tap into that and it seems like it could be even more relevant now or or different perspective of things because of what we're witnessing right now in 2020 with the pandemic of COVID-19 with social injustice going around you just have all this different stuff coming together under these circumstances so I think when reading about why it was chosen to be 1984, it's more than just continuing that trend, which they do hone in on of the, the the clothes styles, the the vibrant colors. They focus and hone in on that and use that to their advantage, but it's not just the only thing. And Patty Jenkins, as great of a director as she is, really has a great eye as a visualist and as an artist of what she wanted to accomplish with 1984 specifically. And then moving on to... Diana's journey, Diana Prince with Gal Gadot, it falls in line to, I think, what we know her character to be, specifically in BVS and coming into Justice League of somebody who is in isolation, somebody who is trying to hide. And that is where we pick up with her in Wonder Woman 1984. And this is from the set visit itself. This is from a report from Collider. And this is the character description given about Diana Prince. She's in Washington, D.C., working in the Anthropology and Archaeology Department of the Smithsonian Institute of National History. She's slightly disengaged with the world and a little bit lonely as the world whips around her, Godot says about Diana. Doesn't really want to make these close connections with anyone. She knows she's either going to hurt them because she'll have to disappear one day or she will lose them because they'll grow old. After the loss of Steve and the entire team later on, I think Diana is in a place where she's happy where she is. She's fairly lonely, but she made the decision to do that, and that is a description that Gal Gadot gives about Diana Prince. And it falls again right in line with, I think, where we would see this character. And that she's bold, she's strong, she's fierce, but at the same time, she knows in this mindset that she can go on saving the world, but. She's somebody who has all the time in the world, where everybody else is dying around her, and I think that's one of the great things about the aspects of of Steve Trevor coming back into this equation with Chris Pine is uh, connecting with the past once again, connecting with the loved one, and 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 kind of maybe potentially sacrificing something you love for the greater good. So I think that aspect is going to be very very interesting. And speaking of Steve Trevor, one of the big questions coming into this movie that has been asked for so many years since it was announced that Chris Pine will be coming back in this role is how does he come back? Because if you know what happens at the end of Wonder Woman, you know the status of what happens with this character. And so people are wondering, is it a projection of, of Diana's mind? Is it something that maybe what the trailers have kind of inclined in? Is that maybe Max, Max Lord, played by Pedro Pascal, has something to do with with him coming back into Diana's life, what could it possibly be? And on the set visit, this is what was said, what the cast had is saying and what was looked around on the set. A lot of theories sparked from the presence of Chris Pine in the Wonder Woman 1984 is this Steve Trevor, the same American World War One super spy who seemingly blew up in a plane crash at the end of the first movie. Is he a descendant of Steve, who just so happens to look exactly like his great, great, great grandfather or whomever? As Pine spoke with reps on the sequel set to figure out that he would could exactly say without getting kryptonian laser blasted a rep for warner brothers said yeah you're still you're still steve trevor the specifics of how he becomes resurrected are still to be determined or aka tbd and for chris pine he's a pro at this already because this isn't his first rodeo working on a major franchise. He had to do that with the Star Trek films, which if you work with J.J. Abrams, what he's done with that franchise and and Star Wars, you know he had to keep your lips as tightly sealed as possible. And so he knows how the rodeo goes with this kind of stuff, and he's not new to it. So it's just going to be a question, I think, again, you can infer from the trailers, from what we know about the movie, what could possibly happen. But I like the fact that it's still something that we're going to have to go in and realize what happens, because I do think like I just said about Diana's character and what she's going to have to go through in this movie, it's going to be heavily influenced of the decisions that she has to make. And I think it's it to have that chemistry with both Pine and Gondo once again, to kind of see how this progresses, this relationship progresses, is going to be very interesting. So I'm really excited to see Chris Pine return. I thought he was great in, in the first Wonder Woman and that chemistry between Godot and Pine was one of the highlights. And it was also reported that they really got to know each other even more on this one, and that that chemistry was stronger because on that first movie, they didn't really know each other. So that chemistry was still being, being developed, even though on screen it seemed like it flowed so smoothly that they knew each other forever, really, and that they felt comfortable working together. But they said it was a work in progress on that first shoot where now they know each other, they've worked with one another, they've spent a press tour together. It felt a lot more comfortable, like it it came naturally to them. So to see that come together in this film, knowing that they feel comfortable with one another now, I'm really excited to see the new heights that are taken with Steve Trevor and Diana Prince. They also talked about the new characters that we're going to get in this film, specifically Maxwell Lord as or played by Pedro Pascal and the famous villain in the Wonder Woman universe, Cheetah, who will be played by Kristen Wiig. I think that's the biggest surprise in terms of new casting, that when it was announced that Cheetah would be in this movie, that Kristen Wiig was going to play this character. When you think of Kristen Wiig, you don't think of somebody as that character, somebody who's... A savage like that, somebody who who's who's a beast, and somebody who just is very sleek and sly. You, you don't think of Kristen Wiig in that way. You think of somebody who was who was on SNL and somebody who's a great comedian who was on Bridesmaids and did an exceptional job on that film, or in Ghostbusters, more of a of an awkward character kind of comedian, which she has played over the years, and it seems like that played really well to her strengths in this movie in which at the beginning of this movie, the origins of Cheetah will be developed and it will be kind of that like kooky, quirky, weird character that Kristen Wiig knows how to play. But the transformation of becoming Cheetah slowly happens and that's where it seems like Kristen Wiig really kind of prevails and shines. And this is what came out of the, the, the report for Cheetah. One wouldn't really typically associate someone like wig known for her bridesmaids and ghostbusters hijinks by rovin says the team felt strongly she would be able to do the barbara minerva that we meet Barbara's someone that he explains who's not very visible even though she wants to be because she's kind of a geek Wig could give that character both the humor and the warmth that diana sees in her and that's what we in the audience sees in her so that hopefully will like her because Diana's invested in her. It's so funny because there are things about her that Diana admires, but she's also incredibly smart and incredibly good at her job too. There was still a chemistry re of the audition with Wake to make sure that as she was progressing into the Cheetah character, she can have that toughness, that aggression that we're going to believe when she gets that nasty. Well, boy, she could get nasty. According to Jenkins, she initially hoped to include Cheetah in the beginning of the last movie, as a tease for what was to come, it goes to show how early on ideas for sequel began during the production of 2017's Wonder Woman. So again, going to Patty Jenkins and being that 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 creator, that someone who visualizes what she wants in a movie. That's why she's such a, a, a fantastic director. And going back to Kristen Wigg. One of the things that was interesting in the set report was there was a lot of talk on the costume designer of Wonder Woman 1984 going to the the, the costumes for the Amazonians, which I'll talk about in a minute, going to the 80s costumes, but also how important the costumes were for Cheetah in the progression of her character throughout the movie in which they talked about how... And it says in this article how in the beginning when she is Barbara Minerva, she is kind of a geek and she has those very overstuffed, over overworn kind of, of clothes where they're very baggy and they don't really fit her and she has that geek kind of quality about her through the the art of the clothes. But as she slowly becomes Cheetah, she becomes she wears more cat like suits and and more kind of lean, mean dresses in a way. And you see that in the trailers. And that is the progression of the character told through the art of of, of costume designing. So I thought that was really interesting, too. And the fact also that going into this movie again, talking about 1984 and the height of the 80s, the height of the United States and how. You have the good stuff that happened, but also the bad stuff, and that goes into corporate greed and people really just trying to survive and and make as much money as they possibly could, whether that involved bad intentions as well. And it shows apparently that Minerva really falls under the spell of Maxwell Lord, played by Pedro Pascal, and how that really affects her and starts her transformation into the cheetah. And moving into Maxwell Lord, I think it was no doubt that when you saw the trailer, saw the style of Maxwell Lord, you couldn't help but get Donald Trump vibes. And that is exactly what we're getting with Maxwell Lord. And Patty Jenkins and everyone wanted to reassure that they aren't trying to be political in this sense or really trying to make a satire of Donald Trump. But they are leaning into Donald Trump, the businessman in which he was a businessman in the 80s. There was nobody as big as Donald Trump with AC and what he was doing with with, with Trump Tower. In that time, he was perceived as as this mega millionaire that was doing everything right that everyone wanted to aspire to be. And apparently that is what they're trying to do with Maxwell Lord. As going back to the costume designs, there there were pictures of Trump all over the place in the 80s as a businessman where he was by the towers, he was in limousines. And you can clearly tell... That is kind of the inspiration they got for Maxwell Lord of of the pictures that we see and the design and and the movement and and what he really is. And they say that he is somebody that is really trying to just kind of survive and that he's not – he's a failing businessman who's just trying to make as much money as he can. And whether it's it's illegal or if he's ripping people off or trying to be sleazy, that's who he is. And this is what – the the, the press report says about Max Lord. If people are chasing after dreams of wealth, power and fame, then Max is selling those dreams. He is this desperate, self-obsessed, fraudulent entrepreneur who runs a business selling the American Dream? Barbara Minerva, another antagonist played by Saturday Night, Night Live alum Kristen Wiig, is beguiled by this illusion and eventually corrupted by it. The character will begin her transformation to Cheetah, one of Diana's most famous adversaries from comics canon, by falling victim to Max's schemes. At first look, it is a dream come true. Diana's once timid, bookish gemologist friend at the museum now feels feels physically stronger. She feels more seen and respected in the world but her power takes a very fast very dark turn as she transforms into the vicious and savage creature like nothing we could ever have imagined diana meanwhile sees all the greed and all the bad things that are being done in order to get to the top godot says i think she doesn't like that so much the price that people are willing to pay in order to achieve whatever it is is they want to achieve but other than this i think diana loves the 80s great hair she's rocking the hair and styles it's great so that was kind of a mix of overall of what I was saying about this report. But I I, again, I, I think when we look at Wonder Woman 1984, I think Patty Jenkins is again trying to interpret things from the 80s and how they're still relevant in today's day and age. And even though it is from 2017, 2018, and we're ways away from what happened during those years, even though it's two years removed from us right now, I think it kind of speaks to the things that are still happening in business and even in politics and that we need heroes today that kind of stand up and defend a lot of people and that's what wonder woman represents so seeing the trailers reading this report i'm really excited what we're going to get with wonder woman 1984 and i'm excited to see a new trailer because we haven't gotten any more footage since that first trailer came out in december for star wars the rise of skywalker so To finally see something new and new visuals and and new things about the story I think is very exciting. And again, it seems like this movie is still going to come out on October 2nd. And again, that could change in in a few weeks from now and again like i said we're gonna have to see what happens in the next two weeks with everything happening with the movies with 10 and new mutants how is that pulse gonna really be on the movie theater effects are theaters going to imply these new protocols really well so warner brothers can see you know what we are gonna put this movie out we think we can put it out in october make some kind of money off of it have good legs throughout the next few months and do some good things with it so right now i think wonder woman 1984 with as little blockbusters that are left right now has the power to do some really good things if there is audiences that feel safe enough to go to the movie theaters. I think this is a movie that unfortunately had a lot of unfortunate circumstances happen in which I think an alternate universe it would have been a mega hit I think it would have been really well reviewed and we still have to wait and see what happens but this does get me excited and and to see the vision that Patty Jenkins really does have and and you can go to to Gal Gadot and how well she is as Wonder Woman and how she embodies her really really well and I think we're going to see not just that improve and, and evolve but also Gal Gadot as an actress evolve as well because I think a lot of people were surprised about how great of an actress she. really is, and how she did a great job in Wonder Woman, because that was always a question mark of, she was in some things, but she wasn't really that good in the things that she was in, so how, why is she Wonder Woman? I think she proved all the doubters wrong, and and proved that she can really embody this person, so I think we're going to see the... the physical manifestation of wonder woman continuing to evolve but also gal gadot as an actress really involved as well and see how patty jenkins can carry this torch again as well because one of the main highlights was how patty jenkins was able to break through as a trailblazer be the first woman to direct a major superhero film be a major major success and to continue it moving forward how does she see this vision go, and she's talked about how she has an idea for a trilogy mapped out for Wonder Woman and how she wants to continue this character and her story. So I'm really excited to see this next chapter of hers, what she has in mind, because clearly she had this vision down from, and it says it in in the article of having this down since Wonder Woman, the first one in 2017. So I'm excited to see this vision finally happen, and I think she is as well, as she said on Twitter that with everything going on, she's ready for this film to come out and I'm excited to see as the first panel what Wonder Woman 1984 is going to bring to the table so a lot of cool stuff still happening, not just for the Batman, not just for DC, or excuse me, not just for Wonder Woman 1984, but a lot of great things are happening in the DC universe right now, which is really taking over the 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 fanboy headlines, the movie headlines, the entertainment headlines. It's really been DC this week. We've had some cool stuff with Tenant and with New Mutants, and I'll talk about that a little later on, but it's really been all about DC just kind of pushing the train forward of showing us new content, again, things to look forward to at the light at the end of the tunnel, and I think it's going to be a great distraction this weekend, and this is only the the pre-show of what we're going to get at DC Fandom this weekend what did you guys think about the batman segment of what did you guys think about the the artwork the the logo for the batman and what did you guys think about the set reports this new information regarding wonder woman 1984 let me know what you think and also respond to my twitter poll that i put out what are you guys really looking forward to at dc fandom this weekend i didn't i i couldn't put out all the panels but i think i put out the major major ones that are going to be out this weekend that people are looking forward to. The Batman, Wonder Woman 84, Suicide Squad, and the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Which ones are you guys looking forward to from those four? if you're looking forward to another one, let me know in the comments section of which one, which panel you're really looking forward to and leave your thoughts below. And now moving away from the DC Universe and moving over to Marvel, according to Deadline, it has been reported that acclaimed director, actress Olivia Wilde is now set to direct a Sony Marvel film, and it's rumored to be a Spider-Woman film. And this is a incredible hiring by Sony. Because when we talk about Patty Jenkins and, and what she was able to do in Breaking Through, as a female director and showcasing that women can do superhero movies too it's everybody can do superhero movies it, it doesn't just have to be white people it can be anybody who can do it and patty jenkins proved that and we're seeing this trend of incredible female directors taking charge in films and superhero films comic book movies going forward we're seeing it with nia da costa with captain marvel 2 kate short excuse me Kate Shorland with Black Widow, Chloe Zhao with Eternals, that women are are really can, are great artists that can take head in, in a comic book movie. And I think for Olivia Wilde, what a—it's not even a—I guess a career transformation for her in the sense that she was already a really good actress. But in one movie with Booksmart, she's really kind of taken— a complete 180 in her direction as 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 an artist, and became I think a a, a actor director in a way, kind of like a Ben Affleck, a a Clint Eastwood nowadays, and even a, a Jordan Peele who he's more of a, a comedian who is now really more of a writer and a director. But the artist who who can do all these multifaceted things, and for Olivia Wilde, I mean, I guess. Sony found something in her that they really did enjoy, and it seems like one of the writers that worked on Booksmart with her is going to be writing the script for this film. Amy Pascal is coming on to produce it, so you have a strong female base for this, and for, for Sony and, and for their Marvel films, you got to wonder what they're going to do. Is, is this going to be their new Spider-Man going forward right now, if this really turns out to be a success now that maybe they'll keep Peter Parker in the MCU going forward from now on? There's a lot of things that can happen with this. And I think what's interesting is Spider Woman is somebody who I think some people really know about, but not the the diehard comic book fans and know who Spider Woman is. So I think for Olivia Wilde to really introduce this to more of a mainstream audience is going to be interesting, kind of like what Captain Marvel was last year. And I think what we're going to get with Eternals and. And what we're gonna get with Captain Marvel 2 again as well. So I'm really excited to see what this is what this could be. And again, for Olivia Wilde, this is just another addition to her incredible second career as a director. And she already has a a monster schedule coming up in films that are coming down the pipeline. And according to the deadline report, She almost had to let this project go because of how filled up her schedule became. But I think because of COVID and the way the scheduling worked out, she was able to attach this onto her portfolio as well. And the next thing she is going to direct is the film Don't Worry Darling with Florence Pugh, Chris Pine, and Shia LaBeouf, which in and of itself, I'm really, really excited about. And it's also the fact that Olivia Wilde isn't just sticking to one genre as a director because when you're really starting out you can kind of get into a, a niche a little bit where comedy for her what, what she did with Booksmart, coming of age films she can just kind of stick to that and grow as a director and kind of fall into into a little bubble into a little niche but she doesn't want to do that don't worry me darling is is going to be a it seems like a, a kind of a suspenseful horror film taking on a superhero film with this marvel film from sony she's really kind of say that I am a a director of all trades and that i can do many different aspects i don't i don't just do one genre so to that i say kudos i tip my hat to her i'm excited to see what she's able to do with all the films and i think whenever don't worry darling comes out it's going to be one of my most anticipated because of her as a director and how much i really did love book smart but also because of the stacked cast that is involved with that film as well and i'm excited to see who they cast as spider woman who else comes into the cast when they start shooting when this film comes out and i'm I'm sure with her schedule it probably won't be coming out till mid-decade in the 2020s maybe at least so I think we're still a few years off before this really becomes a, a reality in terms of production happening and uh, getting a release date. But it is in the works. It is in the pipeline. They found a director. They found a writer. They have a production team. And that is really the first step of, of creating. You have the nucleus in place. Now you got to figure out the rest of it. And I think that is what they're going to do. So I'm excited to see what Olivia Wilde does. Congratulations to her. And I'm excited of, of what we're getting now that... Anybody can direct superhero movies, comic book movies, and we're starting to see that. I'm excited to see the opportunity that Olivia Wilde gets with this film. What do you guys think about Olivia Wilde directing a Sony Marvel film? Let me know and leave your thoughts. And now moving away from movie news, that's really kind of the main stuff that I wanted to talk about. Not a whole lot of other stuff is going on. There was one thing that I really did want it to, to talk about now, and, and it's something that I'm starting up now, and that is going to be a Throwback Thursday review. I'm going to talk about a movie that is a little bit older, not, not completely old, but it could be in the 70s, 80s, 90s, or it could be something that came out five years ago. It's something that I want. I, I wanna start doing and especially now that movies are coming back and something that I, I just want to talk about older movies that have come beforehand now that there's some stuff coming back, but there's still some gaps in the hole, even when we look at September and, and October as well. And one of the first one that I wanna talk about today is one that is catered towards the ...somebody that has a movie coming out next week, at least internationally, and that is Christopher Nolan. And even though I'm going to be doing Throwback Thursday reviews now, the next two weeks are going to really focus on Christopher Nolan a little bit. And this is going to start a trend of talking about, over at least the next week or so, the the entirety of Christopher Nolan's filmography in anticipation for Tenet. And I wanted to start out with a Christopher Nolan movie... That isn't his first film, and I'm not gonna go in chrono- in 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 order and chronology of his films, from following to memento. I'm not gonna do that. I'm just gonna I'm gonna talk about all of his films leading up to Tenet in some crazy order. And this one kind of really fell in line because for me the film that I'm gonna talk about doesn't just have to do with Christopher Nolan as a director. You can talk about influential films, and there are ones like Memento and The Dark Knight, which are huge for what makes Christopher Nolan who he is today. But I think it's really this film that really kind of catapulted Nolan into the level of this guy could be one of the great directors of this generation, really. And it wasn't The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight proved that he can as Batman Begins did prove as well that he can do great movies, but this one really proved that he can do it on a consistent level, and it's not just based off of a comic book property, and that is the 2010 film, Inception, which actually is the releasing, having its 10th anniversary re-release starting tonight, and what, uh, what Inception was able to do was create a cinematic experience that was wholly original, new cast, new characters, new worlds that we didn't really know about. And Christopher Nolan created this complex layered story that you needed to see multiple times, but it was something that you always wanted to come back to. And I think when you look at a movie that is able to do that, it speaks to you as a director and as a writer that there are things in it that if you're a little lost in the story, you can still keep up with the characters that you're invested in, with the action, with the visuals, and the, and the great camera work and the score. And then, but and you have those elements that if you don't get a few things, but you're still able to keep into the story enough, you would want to go back and watch this movie over and over and over again. And that is why it became such a huge hit in the summer of two thousand and ten. And when you look at the the cast. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio leads it with Ken Wananabe and Tom Hardy in one of his really first major, major lead roles. Not really lead roles, but as a supporting character, his first major movie that people really started to turn eyes at him and say, oh, this guy's got some good chops. And <clears throat> excuse me. You look at Joseph Gordon-Levitt as well. That was really a film that, again, turned a lot of eyeballs on him and made him a big star as well. You had Ellen Page and Michael Caine, who is a mainstay of Nolan Films, really create such a formidable cast. And the visuals in it were state of the art and and the way that a lot of it was practical in that hotel scene where it was kind of rigged up to kind of be a, a motion that was actually moving. And it wasn't just the camera. And it's just absolutely amazing what he was able to do with that film. And talk about a film that, about dreams and, 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 and different layers of dreams and ideas and stealing ideas. And I think when we talk about Nolan as a filmmaker, there's always an idea, an idea that you want to implant in somebody's mind. And I think over the years in his filmography, it was all really leading up to Inception. And he had Inception as an idea for so many years And Inception became also a big cornerstone for Nolan and the fact that he became an example of, you do one for me, I do one for you. And And he had that throughout the years. He did that with Batman Begins, and he was able to do Prestige. And because he did Dark Knight and how successful Dark Knight was he was able to do inception but also the amount of money that warner brothers invested into knowing with this this was a 140 160 million dollar budgeted film i think even before you take into marketing with with the film and it paid off in spades and what was a summer in 2010 that even though it had Iron Man in it, it was really before the MCU became the MCU that we knew, even in 2012 with the Avengers, Iron Man did well for itself. It was, at the time, people thought, it was okay, it stepped down from Iron Man, but okay, nowadays, you look at it as a very low point in the MCU in terms of the prestigious films that they come out with today, but the A-Team was out, the last Airbender came out, which really left a salty taste in a lot of people's mouths. It just really, it was a, a very... dire dour sour kind of summer that really didn't do all that well and then inception really gave it this boost of adrenaline that had people talking about a movie that people were able to say you got to go see this movie it's incredible go see it and word of mouth really picked up for this film and show that an original concept done well by an acclaimed director like nolan is able to do well and it doesn't have to be based off of a comic book or have the name Batman in it and Nolan was able to do that and it kind of set the course for his career moving forward and I think Inception was that even though Nolan had films beforehand that was really the the starting point for what we expected from Nolan going forward between Interstellar and Dunkirk and what we're going to expect from Tenet of these big just cinematic experiences and that is what inception brought so i think for inception it has to be nolan's crowning achievement even though dark knight you're going to look at as his crowning achievement which it dark knight is his crowning achievement but when you look at his originals inception as of right now when we'll see how 10 it is is his crowning achievement, is his his piece de resistance, as he would say, really. that That is what, when you remember Nolan as of right now, I think you're going to remember it for what he was able to do with Inception and all the other stuff that he did as well. But I think it's all going to come back to what he did with Nolan, with, with what he did with Inception and how that was the start of what we know Christopher Nolan to be today. This icon, this <clears throat> somebody who is able to... Have box office success because of the name, because you see Christopher Nolan, you go see that movie because of him. Not many directors today have that kind of power and make the kind of money he makes. Quentin Tarantino has that with his movies, but he doesn't make the kind of money that Nolan makes. He wishes he made that kind of money. Nolan would make $500 million at the box office for Dunkirk, making. $800 $800 million for Inception. He wishes he had that kind of money. Nolan was able to gravitate towards audiences to see his movies, and it all really did In start with Inception. The, the prologue was The Dark Knight, where you're like, oh, wow, this guy is able to do a phenomenal, two great Batman films at, at that time, and I think even still today, arguably the greatest comic book movie of all time. He was able to change the, the comic book movie industry and the genre and then but it was really the first chapter was inception showcasing this guy can do it all and this guy has a, a flair for the theatrics and a flair for visuals and a flair for cinema experiences that nobody as of right now is able to top At this point, Nolan is that peak. You might have Denis Villeneuve as as a number two, which he's coming out with Dune this year as well. But Nolan just goes above and beyond every single time. And Inception really was that starting point of showcasing with original films. This guy can do big budgeted big. Old, incredible, and cinematic in ways that haven't been seen before. So Inception's re-release, I think, gives you time to reflect on where the industry has come, where Nolan has come, and kind of see that everything he did up to that point was really leading up to what he was doing with Inception. And I think that is really the starting off point for what we know Christopher Nolan to be today. And so 10 years after Inception, it's it's still incredible to this day. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I always say, again, Dark Knight will always be the movie that he I think people will know him for. They'll, they'll say that'll be his number one. But in terms of his original movies, when you think of original Nolan films, Inception is that number one film. Again, as of right now, Tenet could blow people out of the water, and that could become the new number one. And he's going to keep making movies that could topple that. But as of right now, I think what Inception is, it has that rewatchability product. To it where you can just watch it over and over and over again and you find new things to enjoy about it and to appreciate and and just to watch it and it's two and a half hours but it flies by really really quick and i, I it's one of my favorite films of all time and again in terms of nolan originals it's my favorite nolan original number one and, and again tenant could knock it down but it's going to have to be as great as that to knock it down from that pedestal. What do you guys think about Inception 10 years later? Have you ever seen Inception? Have you not seen Inception? Let me know what you think and leave your thoughts. And this is going to start the the Nolan look back of, of his films. And again, I'm going to be talking about all of his films in no specific order over the next few days and into the next week when Inception comes out, not here, but it releases in internationally in a lot of theaters and will mark the official rollout of Tenant. And I'll have a lot of more flashback reviews and throwback reviews on Thursdays in the coming weeks and months ahead. And the last thing that I wanna to, to converse about today is talking about Inception and its 10th anniversary and its re-release, like I said at the top of that, discussion is movie theaters are opening back up here in the, in the U S starting tonight with, with what we would have is preview screenings as, as, as opening night screenings, really, on Thursday nights. And those are happening again. We have Unhinged coming out tonight. We have, again, Inception's 10th year and a r- r- release. We have classics like Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, Black Panther, all making their way onto the big screen this weekend, along with Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. And I, I think when, when we think about the theaters opening back up again, good or or bad, whatever people might, whether people agree with it or disagree with it. I think the fact that it's happening, I think to look back on, on where we were and and where, and where the industry was at that point and what happened, it was kind of like, I never see anything like that. And and a lot of people haven't seen a lot of stuff that has happened during this pandemic right now, but to see the, the way that theaters have kind of come through at this point, as of right now, and that, when we heard rumors and talks and reports that AMC might go bankrupt, some of these theaters might go bankrupt. And some of the—unfortunately, the, 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 the mom-and-pop theaters, unfortunately, some of them have closed down. And the Landmark in, in New York City closed down. It, it, it's unfortunate, but in when we talk about the major theaters and, and even some of the, the other theater chains that have come out that are more indie-like— they have somehow managed to survive this and they're going to be opening back up again. And ha- most of those have been open, but in terms of the major theater chains, they have come out through this as of right now and they have their their protocols in place and, and, and it's going to take everybody to do it. And, and that's what I keep saying is that it's going to be up to the individual how they feel. I'm not going to be somebody that, it, even if, if I go to the movies again, I'm not going to recommend going to the movies or not going to the movies that's up to the individual person i'm not going to egg somebody on to go if they don't want to go If they don't feel comfortable that's going to that that's up to them and and i wholly respect that because i have family to worry about and a lot of other people have family to worry about that could be heavily affected by covid19 and so it's going to be up to every single individual person to make that Decision about a lot of things that have happened, and whether it's it's open bars and restaurants back out again, or what, sports being out again, and even though they are in a bubble, and movie theaters aren't bubbles, but if they follow the protocols that are put in place, then I think it would be able to work out, and and also a big thing about the theaters too is the fact that we've seen a boost in in theater going in terms of drive-ins have kind of made a a comeback in a way, and I always again throughout this whole pandemic, I've, and it's still going on, I've tried to make silver linings out of a lot of stuff. And then that's a silver lining to look at is that, well, unfortunately, some theaters that are that are personally owned have gone under, a lot of theaters like drive-ins have made a resurgence. And it's it's incredible to kind of see that. And and I think they're gonna be around for a, a long time as of right now because they have outdoor experiences. You can social distance. You don't have to be in a proximity to people. Whereas I think some people aren't going to feel comfortable going to movie theaters because of that close encounter experience. You're inside. You're not outside. But I think it's also going to come down to everyone doing their part, both the the movie goers and the workers it's going you're going to have to heavily enforce those protocols that are put in place for amc making sure that everyone's social distance making sure that everyone has a mask on that is going to be crucial especially when they're in the theater if they're if, if they're eating snacks you're going to have to make sure that people eat snacks and they put their mask back on and that's going to be up to the movie goers as well and make sure you follow those rules if you're if you have popcorn eat it put that mask right back on or if you don't feel like you know what it's a hassle why do that then unfortunately for the theaters it's going to be tough and that's why they have shortened prices but don't then don't do that then don't eat at the movie theater it's just it's going to take both the workers and the, the the moviegoers to enforce these rules and i think when we look at the NHL and the NBA bubble and and, and again it's this isn't a bubble but when you look at what how the players and the leagues are enforcing those rules, the players are following the rules. You could be doing something, you could say, you know what, I wanna go out or I wanna do this, I wanna do that and you suffer the consequences and that's what's gonna happen here is if you decide to go out to the theaters You also have to think of yourself and you have to think of the people for you and the people around you that are taking those same precautions and are taking those risks as well. And so it's going to be up to the people. It's going to be up to the to the theaters and it's going to be up to enforcing those rules heavily. And I think if one theater slips, it's going to affect the entire company like an AMC or Regal. And that will have a major devastation effect on movie going and movie going experiences. Again, these next two weekends, not not this up this upcoming weekend is gonna be big, but the weekend of next weekend with Tenet releasing internationally and new mutants coming out. And the weekend after with Tenet coming out on September third to select US cities that are open to theaters and Mulan coming out the next day with on Disney Plus excuse me, they are going to be the weekends that affect what happens with movie going in 2020. So it really is is coming to a head where it's been speculation. What's going to happen? Is everything going to be going? To VOD, the, the movie going experience of theaters, they're nervous, and it's all coming down to this in terms of delays, in terms of waiting and waiting and waiting. We're down to these last few weeks of the summer and going into the fall season of what we're going to experience with the rest of September, October, and the rest of, of 2020. And like I said, talking about Wonder Woman. It's coming out October 2nd right now. We just had set reports come out that were filed in 2018. We're having a, a fan event, a, a DC event, that's happening on Saturday that is leading off with a Wonder Woman panel that is gonna have footage that is, is is excited for an October 2nd release date. If something happens in the next two weeks, that could all change with a snap like Thanos' fingers. It could all change. And so I think it's just going to take a lot of people to make sure that all these are heavily enforced. And again, I'm not going to say people should go to the movie theaters. You oh, you shouldn't go to the movie theaters. It's going to be up to every single person. And I always try to make sure that whenever we do talk about movie theaters, whenever we do talk about People and 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 if theaters should actually be going and should they actually be going or not? I try to stay away from saying they should go or they should not go because it's going to be up to everybody. It, it's I can't control what somebody else thinks and what somebody else doesn't think. It's going to be up to people what they think. But the one thing that I can talk about is the 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 safety procedures. And if people do decide to go, then. It's about, well, making sure that you enforce those safety procedures and if those safety procedures work for you. And if they don't work for you, then you're going to wait until something happens with COVID that you feel safe enough, whether that's a vaccine or therapeutic, something that comes along, whether it's at the end of this year or into next year, that once it's all said and done, maybe by next summer, people are completely comfortable because COVID's gone that they go back out to movie theaters. And that's, that's. That's, that's great, uh, you. It's up to every every single person thinks differently, and it's it's just gonna be up to, to everybody. And and I think, you know, again, the storyline of where theaters are at right now. I think it's. I'm happy to see them back open again. Um, it, it's it's exciting. At least I think, kind of, just at least. Have that conversation again and again. It's not about, well, you're telling me to go. Like I don't want to go. Then again, don't go. But I think just having that excitement in the wind again of at least films coming back out again, whether they do good or don't do good, at least we have again. I I think also for me, somebody who loves going to the movies, at least just having something to talk about of, of looking forward to something to talk about at least, and then again, not just going to see it or not just because of just the anticipation. Of seeing stuff and and, and and getting excited for something is, again, just a silver lining that I try to look forward to. And I think those are the things, especially with theater going and whether it's essential or not, I think it's just something for people to be excited about. And I think at this point, it's just a wait and see game of what really does happen. If it, if it doesn't work out, then... Unfortunately, there were, there's going to be a lot of questions about is this the end of movie going or is this is, is movie going only going to be for a certain amount of films and what's going to happen? There's going to be more questions than answers. But if this somehow if people do feel comfortable enough and they do go out and, and the box office is again not going to be record breaking, it's not going to be insane, but if it makes some money where they're like, "Wow, we have some legs for this." Then I think there's going to be good answers to come in that if everything works out in the theaters and people come away satisfied and they feel safe and they say, "You know what? The, the theaters are enforcing these rules and nobody is sick. Everyone's wearing their mask and social distancing and they have all these sanitizing stations." Then I think you're going to hear positive buzz about the theaters again. And so it's all just it's all going to come down to these next few weeks, and it's just going to be a matter of time before we're either talking about something really bad happening, or maybe there is a a light at the end of the tunnel sooner rather than later when it comes to movie going right now with the new enforcements of the COVID-19 regulations in effect right now. So what do you guys think about the movie going experience right now? What do you think about it? I, I want to know your opinions about it. Let me know and leave your thoughts. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Samba Basel Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in on the ambiguous podcast solutions. And be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro?, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Along the way, check out these other shows that are on the podcast Solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, Fretzel Mania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. Also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, when you're all done following the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, make sure to give me a quick follow on social media when you get a chance. You can find me on Twitter at Samuel, That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And on Facebook at Sam Bissell. Thank you guys again so much, and until next time, keep on screening.